Welcome back to another episode of the Honest Bloke podcast. Uh, thank you again for being here. Appreciate uh, all of the love and support for all the episodes in season one. Today, I am, again, extremely happy, honoured, excited to be joined by uh, a gentleman that, again, I've connected through uh, through the online space, through the the wonders of Instagram and the instant, you know the Instagram gods have connected us. So um, today I'm joined by Mr. David Chambers from the Authentic Dating Series. David, how are you, mate? I'm good, man. Good. Thanks for having me. You are very, very welcome. Uh, very welcome indeed. It's a uh, yeah. I've, do you know what? I feel like season one for this podcast is just me showing the world all of these new internet friends that I've made. And uh, it's just, <laughs> which don't get me wrong, I absolutely fucking love. It's a, a wonderful experience to connect with people through a, an online space. And um, I think maybe there's something in that, in that, you know, a lot of us are craving connection. And we, we struggle with that at the moment through things like, you know, we're all locked down, we can't go and see our friends. So um, it's certainly been a, an amazing experience for me to be able to connect with with people through, yeah, through the wonders of the internet. But um, uh, yeah, so thank you for being here, mate. Um, Again, intro, lo love having a chat and just, just finding out a bit about yourself. Obviously, I know quite a bit about who you are, followed your, followed your page for a little while. Um, very, very big fan of what you do. So it would be nice to hear a little bit about you and what you do, please. Thank you. Um, what do I do? Um, so Authentic State, Authentic Dating Series started off as a, an idea of a, me and my friend Ahmed, uh, who used to co-host with me. And we just had all this date. We were dating coaches way back in the pickup days, right? Where, you know, 10, 12 years ago, we we're taking guys into bars and clubs and helping them talk to women. And we started to see that uh, instead of the manipulation that was taught there, we were starting to see that the better thing to do was be honest and open. And we were learning this for our own experience. And then we left that kind of whole scene and got into some self-development work. And then came out the other end a couple of years ago and we're like, oh, we should do something with all this dating information. So we said, okay, cool, let's do, a, let's do a podcast. And then the podcast was born and we kept putting out episodes, people enjoyed it. And it's kind of morphed into more, more than was expected. But I guess my journey was, where do I start? I was born, obviously, and all that good stuff. I grew up in East London all my life. My, my family, my parents are from Jamaica. They settled here in the, in the 70s. So I have this like mixed heritage background of growing up in this like wooded, like I live on the edge of East London. So it's like very woody, very green and it's beautiful now during lockdown because I'm lucky enough to be able to like go for a walk in the woods in five minutes. Um, but I also grew up in a, in a way where my father wasn't really around. So that whole how to be a man, how to have a functional relationship was just missing in my life. So fast forward to my twenties, I was, I was having all these dysfunctional relationships continuously because I was reasonably easy to talk to, reasonably easy to get on with women, but I didn't know how to hold a relationship together. So that kind of propelled me into the into the, the dating scene and learning about that. That's amazing. Um, immediately, the first thing that I want to jump into is that period of time where you, you said, <clears throat> so I was involved in taking men into bars and you used the word manipulation. Now, <clears throat> for anyone who's never either heard of Neil Strauss and the game so the, the the very famous book that he wrote yeah i think it came out probably around what 2006 2007 something like that a yeah a while yeah, ago yeah. um you know this is this is the story of pickup you know pickup artistry the idea that men to get women whether it's to like them or just well to fuck them um is that you know you have to kind of prey on their insecurities and you know manipulate them into 
yeah, maybe almost like trying to get your attention. Um, So it's interesting. You, yeah. I mean, talk to me about that. That must've been a really, at the time, I imagine if you've gone through a period of being able to now look back on that behavior as like a bit problematic, but what was that experience like? Yeah, I think I got into it because I was, I was frustrated. I was really frustrated with the women I was meeting. I was meeting a lot of women. Like I was probably 23, 24. I had a good job. I love to travel. I, I was inquisitive about life and the world. And I wasn't meeting women that were on that level who wanted the same sort of things. So I was like, okay, there must be something I'm doing wrong here. So I Googled around like any, most, most people do even at that point. And I came across the game and I read that book cover to cover in, I reckon a couple of weeks, right? And it's a great read. If, you, if, you, if it was a fictional story, and you and you begun it's like this is a fictional story of a man you read it you'd be like this is a great read this is good fun like there's all sorts of events and drama and I remember reading at the time and being young and being like okay like I'm going to try some of this stuff out and I did I went out try some of the stuff in the book and then I went to a couple of seminars because my mind's always I've always been the sort of person I'm inquisitive I want to learn I want to know more so I went to a couple of seminars I did a free boot camp with someone in London and he was said to me he's like I reckon you could teach this stuff and I said yeah I reckon I could teach this stuff as well so I started the started teaching and I wasn't really into all the the lines the like stories like all the pre-canned stuff it didn't suit me well I couldn't remember it all so Though the guys I was working with were doing all that kind of stuff, I was a bit more free-flowing and just like to tell them about my stories, learn to be a bit more expressive. And I was around other guys who weren't doing this. And you'd have clients who'd come in and go, okay, I want to sleep with someone tonight. And I'd say, I can't help you do that. They'd be like, what do you mean? I was like, well, that's not how I, how I flow. I just flow. I try to get to know people. I try to talk to all the people in the bar. And I kept coming against these clients who were, in my opinion, they hated women. And they wanted to take revenge against women for what generally appeared to me was like mistreatment, like in their early years or being ignored and they were angry. And my point of view is like, I've always had a deep love for women. Like I've got, I grew up with my mom and my three sisters. So I have a lot of love and respect for women and, and their being and what they deal with, and what they go through. So yeah, it was a challenging time at times that you have guys and they wouldn't want to try something that was a bit more honest, a bit more authentic. And that was the kind of reason why I left like, and I met some of the big pickup artists, you know, I was in the States for a week in Miami and I saw some of these guys in action and they are very good at preying on the insecurities of women. And mm. the thing is, is we, we live in a society where from a young age, we, we bombard women that they have insecurities, what they look like, you know, our whole advertising industry is built on preying on our insecurities. So when you around that, there's a point of view that's like, I feel a bit dirty. Yeah. I feel a bit disgusting. And I look back on some of that, like, like you said, like I was thinking, me and my friend, we talk about last minute resistance. Remember LMR was a big thing. And the idea behind that was like, oh, women will want to sleep with you. She's come back to your place, but she might make a pretend that she doesn't want to. So you just need to keep trying. And I, I think I said it on one of my podcasts, actually I definitely said it on the podcast as I look back and I'm like, oh man, like I, was in the mindset that this is how it is this is how it is and when I look back I'm like oh man like I really hope there's no women who look at me and go I really didn't want to sleep with him it's just that he kept trying mm. you know but I could say that there's probably a few times where it's definitely on the line but yeah. then I also look and say there's a few times where I was with a woman I remember this one time I remember looking at this girl we were just about to have sex I looked her in the eye and I was like she doesn't want to do this 
she doesn't want to do this. And I literally got off her and I was like, I'm going to the toilet. I went to the toilet. Then I started talking to her and we lay down and she was like, oh, like, do anyone have sex? I was like, you know what? I'm tired. Let's wait till the morning. Mm. And the next morning she, we woke up and we talked. And I remember her texting me afterwards and was just like, why didn't, why didn't we have sex? I was like, I just felt like you didn't want to. And she was like, you were so right. I was just going to go through it because I felt like I had to because I was here and you'd get annoyed if I wasn't. And I was like, I'm not that sort of guy. But, you know, being around that scene, I've, I've heard some stories about men and really pushing when it comes to that. And a lot of it is, it's easy to blame the men, but it's just that they had this idea of how things were. You know, it's a bit like all of us. We all have some idea of how the world is and when we operate within that. And that was the case definitely within the pickup community. That's... Um again an incredible insight and a really really uh because i think uh as as men um the cons the consent conversation is an incredibly i don't want to say a difficult one to navigate because at the you know regardless of whether you're in a heterosexual you know whether it's a you know like whether it's a straight or a gay relationship um you know the maybe the notion around consent is that it's a difficult it's it's something that men get lumbered with around the um the mistakes that are made and fucking that up and not voicing their you know not not voicing it and don't get me wrong i don't disagree with any of that um but being able to as someone who you know in that scenario someone who's fairly conscious is someone who's working you know got a kind of a big air of self development about them like i say like a very conscious person it took your kind of you know that if you're operating as you said within that idea of how you're expecting that experience to go sometimes it can be difficult to spot or navigate around that and then suddenly you know people are getting hurt people are getting potentially traumatized and obviously there's a very big difference between your intentions and the impact of your actions and um i think that that's something that again i've, I've seen it within I mean, I'm trying to reflect on maybe my own experience. Um, you know, I think especially when you get alcohol involved, you know, if you've taken if you've taken someone back from a night out, if you're in a club or a bar and, you know, people were inebriated and, you know, their, their inhibitions are, are gone. And, um, you know, the reality is that I think a lot of people, whether, whether you're the man or the woman, you probably could wake up the following day and say, I probably didn't, I didn't really want to do that. Um, okay. So the consent piece, I think, is one that don't get me wrong. I think that if you if you go really into it and we're looking at things like rape and, you know, that side of things, it's understandably the most important part of any sexual interaction. Um, but I think also that I don't I, I don't want this podcast to just be like a oh, like poor men, too, because I think it's it's important that we don't put it's not about pit, like pitting when men versus women. But there's a huge area of consent, the con you know, the conversation around consent that needs to, you know, we need to look at men as well as like yes. not the victims, but you know that they need to learn how to speak their their truth. They need to also learn to ask for that consent, and they need to check in with their own sort of what they're consenting to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the consent piece is is really interesting because you know if you go back 10 12 years consent wasn't something you talked about you know it was mm. like oh you know she's a woman that is with you so that's consent you know she wants to be there kind of thing and for women i have a lot of female friends and even i've talked to some of my good female friends i've known for years and we talk about how 
we didn't even we weren't even thinking about this as a thing women were feeling like oh if i've gone back to a guy's house and he expects it so that's what i have to do you know it was a societal conditioning that we kind of all lived in right that, came that obligation there. yeah obligation and then there's the other side for men and i've definitely been in this this is a this is a place that's happened to me a lot is where you've got you know you've got drunk you're with a woman you go back to her place and you're kind of thinking oh i don't even know if i want to do this now like i've gone back i don't know if i want to actually do this and then you think, oh, but I have to, because I'm a man. That's what I have to do. That is my duty. It's expected of me. What will she think of me if I say no? Mm. You know. And this is a, an interesting side of consent that isn't spoken of as often. And I think with the consent pieces, like it, it doesn't, it shouldn't always fall on the shoulders of the man, but it does because of the way that the masculine leadership that shows up when it comes to these sorts of interactions. Mm. But it's also learning how to get consent, right? Because consent can be done in a really beautiful way. Like I've done some really good workshop around consent, like around like the wheel of consent and, and stuff. And, and like you said, men struggle to ask what they want. Like I run a workshop about foreplay and every time I've run the workshop, there's always a part where men go, how do I ask for what I want? How do I get what I want? You know, and it's a very interesting yeah. thing because there's a kind of idea that men, when it comes to sex are very forward, but yet the experience I have from the kind of coaching and working with men is that isn't always the case. But then women have this idea. It's like we have men and women have these ideas about each other and haven't bothered to consult each other and talk about it. I think this is the biggest problem that happens between men and women. Even, yeah. even the consent piece is like if men and women talked about consent more between them together, they go, oh, oh, I understand your side. You understand my side. Cool, we can communicate. There's not this like chasm between where we're standing. Yeah, and that actually, um, like, not not to stay on this point too long, but I, I you know, I've shared something. Um, I've shared something as a, an, an incredible conversation piece this morning um, uh, on my social media on my Instagram, um, and it was just regarding. Uh, so it was regarding the patriarchy, and it was regarding um, this idea that you know men can be victims of that too. And I basically, you know, I shared that because I wanted to have a conversation and I was, it was, I kind of did it on purpose. Like I, I, I shared it and I just said, would love to hear people's opinions. Mm. And, you know, it was very much like, yeah, say like on purpose, throwing the cat amongst the pigeons just to see what comes up. <laughs> and I think that the problem is, is that when no matter, like we, we all view things, things through the lens in which we operate from. So as a man, you will view things through the lens of a man. As a woman, you'll view it through the lens of someone as a woman. And this like comparison culture that we have is like, like you know, we started talking about consent there. And I felt a discomfort arise within me, within this conversation, you know. Um, and that's because predominantly the obvious conversation is the one that is clearly one that matters and is really important is that, you know, the, 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 the conversation around women consenting to men having sex with them and penetrating them and engaging in a sexual, you know, experience with them. But there's a massive conversation piece around consent and the male, male side of things. And unfortunately we operate from this, like what about us culture or this comparison culture or this us versus them culture. And, you know, I say I've had some wonderful, wonderful conversations today, even with people who, you know, were really triggered by it and really like, mm. oh, you know, he's full of shit, that guy. And, you know, he's talking about this, that and the other. And he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about because he's not a woman. Like it's it's actually it's, it's not the point. You're, you're viewing it through the lens of the woman and actually it's stopping you from seeing the, you know, the, the conversation that needs to be had around the impact on men. Um, 
so yeah that's a that's a it's it, yeah it's a really really interesting piece and there are so many of these conversations that i think i think it comes down to consciousness like you know whether you're a man or whether you're a woman whether you're showing up in a relationship if you can do that consciously and you can do it in a way that allows you both to hear and see the other person's experience without it threatening yours it's ultimately going to create it's, it's going to facilitate again a, a deeper level of connection a deeper level of intimacy and ultimately make a like a healthy relationship where it's not me versus you it's actually we're a team empathy empathy that that is that is the that is the bridge is empathy with and i, I think empathy sometimes you have that empathy for yourself and your own situation and where you are and empathy for the other person as well and what their situation is and what's going on for them and when you have that empathy that is what creates the the connection the understanding the exchanging of ideas putting yourself in their shoes and sometimes and then compassion i love that yeah for sure um mate let's talk about so the work that you do so within whether you know so we were having a chat before we jumped on about you know the coaching that you do so you you know you operate within this uh this space of coaching and and kind of you know providing help and whether it's to men women couples whether it's to do with dating actual relationships sex um tell me more about yeah so the work that you do and how you kind of show up and help people in in, in those fields yeah so this this kind of i'd like to say you know all those things seem really broad when you say to someone oh, i coach people they're dating their relationships their sex lives and stuff people go oh that's a lot to cover but i find it's like a bit like a funnel like it's all those things and then really at the bottom there's your beliefs, there's, you know, your ideas about the world, there's your thoughts. Um, and I believe that at the, the core of everything is your beliefs. You know, some people would call it, your beliefs are kind of based on your trauma or events of your life, your childhood, and they affect how you operate in these areas. So a lot of the time, I spend a lot of time just focusing on those things. So example, I've got a uh, client now, been with him for about four or five months now, and he in a relationship. And he felt there was something missing, some level of connection. And, you know, as we delve through, it's an emotional work they need to do, emotional work to learn about his own emotions, get present to those, what's going on for him, like why he feels the way he, he feels and why he thinks the way he feels. And then there was the emotional work of connecting him more to his partner and then also to connect him more to everybody that he comes into contact with. And it's been mm -hmm. a beautiful blossoming to see him because I had a conversation recently and we're talking about creativity, which is like, I'd like to work in kind of a masculine feminine dynamic a lot as well. And creativity is very much in the kind of feminine space. And he was very heavy on the masculine when I first met him and I had him look at some creative things. I was like, here's a few things, but I want you to come back with a list of 10 creative endeavors, ideas that you've researched. And he was on the call to me and he was just like reeling them off and he'd looked at like, uh, micro photography. Um, he looked at this hacktivism and there was a couple other things. Um, and there was something around uh, sculptures and his face was just lighting up, telling me about these things and how they were interesting to him. And I said, you know, four, four months ago, you would have never even noticed these things exist. And he was like, yeah, you're right. He was like, I didn't even know half these things were happening in the world because I was so focused on money, work and and his job and just like exercising and stuff like that. So that's a lot of the work I do. Um, when it comes to dating, a lot of it is communication, helping people understand what they want, because actually they're always like, oh, I want this. Oh, you know, this is the sort of person I want. It's like, no, 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 sorry. This is what I want. It's like, but who, who are you and what do you want? What do you want in a relationship? What, how do you want to show up? 
Um, mm. And yeah, and the sex stuff, which I really love, is like, that's really like a real burning passion for that is around Tantra and presence and consciousness and like creating conscious sex, conscious sexual relationships, because we're conditioned into very unconscious sex because we're afraid to communicate about sex. So it ends up, we end up in this very conscious, drunken sex, like not understanding what people want or like, and just having sex with someone for six months and never actually talk to them about having sex. That's... Um... So that is just like landed very, very, like very much with, within me. And um, that's because I, so in a, in a, you know, I've been in a relationship for a few months and something that is, uh, that's come up, especially around the sex piece. Um, you know, I, I feel blessed to be in a wonderfully conscious relationship um, with someone who both individually, we've both gone and done our work and done a lot of healing and, um, you know, been through periods of celibacy and, you know, kind of disconnected from sex and dating and things like that and really worked on our own stuff. Um, and one of, yeah, one of the really interesting thing that's come up for me, again, gonna share it. If she, if she tells me off, which she won't, I'm sure she won't, but um, <laughs> just, just start like divulging intimate details of our sex life. Um, but one of the, one of the, you know, the really big things that's come up for me is uh, being able to uh, speak and, and actually say, uh, what I want now actually become very, very comfortable doing this if I'm not face to face. So if I'm not yeah. there in the moment, I can do and I, and, you know, I feel as though I can do a great job of speaking very consciously. Um, you know, there is very much a tantric element to the relationship. You know, we are, you know, the, a very spiritual aspect to not just the relationship, but the sex as well. But when I'm face to face, I still struggle with finding my voice and being able to speak that. So, I mean, not to make this just a, you know, a coaching session for me, but <laughs> where, where do you think men, and again, it's not, I don't think that this is in any way, shape or form exclusive to men. So I think that this will, I'm sure be universally applicable of regardless of gender or sex, but um, just on the male side of things, where do you think the challenges come from men in being able to speak, whether it's asking for what they want, whether it's just talking and opening up about sex, I think, I think a lot of it comes from the taboos, the way that we are, we don't actually talk about sex. Like as when we grew up as children, if you talk about sex at eight years old, you ask your parents a question like, oh, how's a, how are babies born? Your parents will tell you to shut up and not worry about that, right? And these messages are implanted into you from a young age. So we grew up not really knowing. And then we kind of get into a, our maturing years, our adolescence, our early adulthood. And it becomes quite macho, egoic. So there's a lot of men going, yeah, I did this to her and I did this. And there's always some men that are there who are like, oh, I don't know what to say. I haven't done those things. I don't feel confident in speaking my truth in, around sex or not feeling comfortable or confident in, in it. And then when you're sitting in front of someone that you really care about and you have to ask what you want, it almost feels like, because you're asking for something that's very vulnerable, right? It's not... Um, it's very close to your heart, close to your desire, close to what you want. And it's also really close to your sexuality, which, you know, we aren't always brought into our fullness in it. So these layers make it very difficult for us to just say like, you know, what I'd really love for you is to massage my back or I'd like a, a lingam massage or, you know, something like that. I'd like you to play with my, play my ass because we're feeling so vulnerable. We're scared that A, they're gonna say no, they're gonna judge us for our request, you know, that, um, it could damage the relationship, like all these fears come up. And yeah. I was talking to, um, I was doing a workshop, one of my clients, I was talking to him and I was like, 
where does where does the fear come? And he said, oh, it come, starts around the navel and it starts to come up to the solar plexus, right? It's about kind of just below your heart. And I said, I always feel like it's as if your ego is trying to infect your heart. It's trying to push some sort of dysfunctional belief, some sort of like shitty thoughts up into your heart because your heart is full of love and care and compassion and understanding. And it's trying to push it upwards. And the, the job is in those moments and is to, is to stay so fucking present to yourself, your body, what you're feeling and what you also want to say and the person in front of you. And I find the best way to do that is just breathe very deeply. Just breathe very deeply, pause. You don't have to say it quickly and just hold that space for yourself and, and for your partner. And then when you're with a loving partner who is going to hold space for you and understands that it's difficult to say, this is what I want. They're going to sit there and just, they'll just sit there with a smile on their face, holding the space. It's not going to be like, mm, what's wrong with you? Don't you want, don't hurry up. Can't you say it faster than that? Because all this adds to the triggering, adds to the layers that make it difficult for us to speak. Yeah, definitely. And as you talked about the relationship that we have with our parents, um, I immediately reverted back to, you know, so my, my experience, um, particularly from a masculine energy. So both, but, uh, you know, right now I, I don't have a relationship with my dad, um, I, but I have a wonderful relationship with my mum, and I have spoken to my mum in the last six months or year um, about particularly around like our upbringing around sex and, you know, um, she, I mean, she's, bless her, she held her hands up to me in, in one conversation and said, you know, look, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was your mum. And, you know, when you've got three boys who, when they're growing up and they're starting to worry, you know, sort of worry or wonder why, you know, their willies are getting hard and, you know, <laughs> things like that, you know, she's, she sat there and she said, you know, like, actually being really honest, you know, I, I expected your dad to, to, to take care of that. You know, I, I, I felt, you know, I didn't really know that that was my place. And unfortunately, you know, I, I grew up with and the, me and my two brothers grew up with a dad who was so incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable um, with anything remotely to do with sex. Um, and it's not to not to shame my dad, because, again, we're all products of our environment. And that would have been handed down to him from his generation. And they just didn't have they just didn't have that level of, you know, taboo is obviously slowly being, you know, it's all being kind of pulled apart. But um yeah, that was it's, it's a huge element of generational trauma, particularly within men um, that's been passed down. They don't know how to have that conversation. And you know, I remember when I was so my my first ever <laughs> so so my first ever like uh, like big traumatic experience around sex and to do with my dad was you know when I was about sixteen. I'd just turned sixteen. I uh, know, sorry, and no, I hadn't. So it was just before my sixteenth birthday, and my my first girlfriend, who I lost my virginity to, came round to my house first time she was meeting my parents and um she you know we ended up going upstairs at one point throughout the evening we ended up having sex and you know what it's like when you're fucking 15 or 16 you know it's <laughs> i mean it's just it's you know there's like condensation on the windows and you know it's just like <laughs> so that's something out of the titanic um but you know and he um my dad through his discomfort his severe severe discomfort uh, banged the door down, shouted at me to get out. And, um, you know, once I pulled myself together and pulled some clothes on, he said, get her out of here. Like we're taking her home. And, you know, to this day, um, and I've had a couple of, tried to have a couple of uh, conversations with my dad about it, you know, over the last few years. Um, but he never, ever got to grips with, with understanding that that 
would have had an impact on us and the trauma that that would have had. And, you know, as you've just said there, you know, we have this difficulty with speaking, speaking what we want sexually. That's where my shame, I think that maybe my shame and my lack of confidence around my sexuality and being able to ask where I, you know, what I want, um, not just that individual circumstance, but that relationship and that lack of safety that we're not, you know, that a lot of us aren't provided with by our caregivers and our parents growing up around sex, I think it has a massive impact. Yeah, yeah, it does. I was, um, I've been learning a lot about erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation uh, for a workshop I run. And uh, one of the points in this, it was like a therapy course, and it talks about how our first sexual experience can really cause trauma for every sexual experience we have after that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for instance, if for men, when we were young boys and we were masturbating at home, we might have always had to do it very quickly, right? Because we didn't want to be seen or heard, like we did, and we'd get into very poor self-pleasure practices because of that, right? Or for instance, in your instance, there could be, you know, it might start to, you might, it might be something you've seen, but there might always be this concern about being heard, like during sex, like, am I making noise? Are, are we, are we making noise with the bed or anything like that? And you become... It stops you from being present and conscious in the act because this trauma response is being triggered to say, you're making noise, your dad's going to come upstairs and bang, knock on the door, kick her out. And it, it will literally replay for you all the time. And it takes you out of the consciousness of being there with, with the woman you're with. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I 100% agree that that is and probably is very likely as to what is happening. So, you know, how would you, because, I, you know, I have certainly done a lot of the work. And, you know, I think that if any, whether it's men or women that hear this and maybe feel as though they can associate or relate to a lot of this, how does someone go about healing that? Because it's a difficult thing, you know, doing the work to fix that and unpack it and, you know, sort of, yeah, heal it is, is something that's like, where, where, the, where the fuck do you begin with something like that? So, I mean, what would you, what would you say? I always say you've got to identify the initial trauma, right? Because for a lot of mm -hmm. us, we have this like dysfunction sexually and we don't know where it comes from. Like yeah. I'm too similar to you. In my house, I wasn't allowed to talk about sex. My mum's a Christian Jamaican woman. Sex was not something that was talked about in our house at all. And to this day, really, if it comes on the TV, the TV will suddenly magically change and stuff, you know, that kind of old scene. So I started to see that, oh, I don't really, I feel uncomfortable talking about sex in certain instances. So I started to learn more, I started to educate myself about sex. And I now started talking to my friends and, and stuff like that about it. I started, I've gone to workshops, week, like weekend workshops, start to, when you start to engross yourself in something, you start to see where your uncomfortability is, right? Um, I did a tantric massage workshop earlier, like last year and the year before. And I start to see how, oh, how I am when I'm naked and when naked in a room with other people. Because often when we were doing the massaging, you'd, you'd get naked. And I'd be like, oh, I don't want people to, um, I don't want people to see me and think that I'm showing off, right? <laughs> and this was a really weird programming saw because, you know, I go to the gym, not so much now, but I've, I've always looked after myself. Because I remember when I was a kid, someone, when I was probably about eight or nine years old, going, oh, you're just, you're just showing off in the changing rooms. Right. So it's like mapping back what that was. Right. Seeing what your reaction is and being conscious to it. You know, it's like it's like, are you fearful? Does it stop you from being present? And then just inquiring in and going, is this true? No, mm -hmm. it's not really true. You know, maybe you want to speak to a therapist about it. Maybe it's a case of like talking about it with your partner 
so they understand what's going on for you. And then the con the awareness, right? Which is one of the first things is like, got to be aware this happened, aware how it's affecting you. And then there's like kind of pushing the boundaries in that area. So maybe if I keep taking you as an example, I'm sorry. But if, Mate, I'm if, here for, for instance, it. I'm the, I am the case study. <laughs> so if, for instance, you know, you're concerned about making noise, for instance, right? There's a load of tantric practices around... Um, Oh, so you would do you would be with your partner and you can like face each other and you can do like noises as you're breathing so not having sets completely closed so you might start with ah ah and just used to making that sound and just making the sound and letting it out because we're all often trapped in our throats when it comes to sex especially men we don't always like to make noise when it comes to sex right mm -hmm. a lot of it is around being heard so it's like practicing that being heard making noise making different sounds different pitches like hmm Ah, and like practicing it outside of sex, getting used to doing that, being okay, because there's going to be some resistance, there can be some triggering that's going to happen then, you don't want to feel silly. So it's like practicing that and then maybe even with your partner, you know, like even if it's like sitting each other, uh, sitting in front of each other naked and then doing that same exercise, so working up to being in that space of being, making noise, or if it's around being seen by others, maybe you want to record a video for the two of you that you only watch and no one else sees, or maybe you want to go to an online sex party or something like that, or maybe you want to have sex with the door open, but it's like pushing your boundaries a little bit each time, but it's always having the awareness on what's coming up for you, what emotions and thoughts and feelings that you're having. Yeah, definitely. And again, I'm happy to be the, yeah, the, the case, <laughs> the, the case study here, but um, for me, I'm aware that, um, you know, I've got, I can tell that I've got a lot of untapped like noise and energy to come out through, you know, through my throat and through, through, you know, that there's a lot of expression there. There's a lot of like fucking power to come from that in mm -hmm. that sexual experience, but it's just that it feels probably a bit unsafe and a bit scary to actually engage in that because it's unfamiliar. You know, I've never, ever done it before. And um, I think it also, yeah, it also will, not just in terms of the noise the noises that you make but it's also yeah it's the noises you make it's being able to feel confident and learn how to you know whether it's like talk dirty with your partner whether it is yeah. again whether it's ask for what you want with your partner ask them what they want um so yeah i think that's um i think that's something that again i, I like so many people again men or men and women can can definitely yeah. can definitely do their work with but it's about having that safe space so yeah like uh, you know in that space with your partner so um yeah um wanking is uh obviously you and i have had <laughs> i love calling <laughs> a lot of wanking I, I, conversations I, I i love i love using the word wanking because it's like the most human word um and it is just such a, a like I have just completely jumped into every and all conversations about it just because when you when you learn how to like just get rid of that shame and when you suddenly recognize that every single fucking human being on the planet is not only does it but you know you you hear this phrase that it's our birthright to experience pleasure you know yeah um and the way that the world is and the you know the the way that society is and the way that it shames us and it, it disconnects us from that behavior so that as you put it you know we're having to do it really quickly or we're having to do it you know when we're kids we do it in the sh we jump into the shower you know i used to have fucking four showers a day when i was 14 um <laughs> like, <laughs> um but you know you and i've had some great conversations around it because um again it came up in my previous podcast with with drew uh, that 
in kind of whether it be men or women's kind of journey to reconnecting with themselves um in order to get to a position because we all have this massive desire to understandably to to be in a conscious connected wonderful close relationship but that relationship has to start and end almost before you get to that point you have to go through the journey of the relationship with self and self-pleasure which is the more you know whether you want to call it the more spiritual word or the whatever kind of way of describing it is um you know, is, is kind of just the biggest, the most key part of building a relationship with yourself. So um, I have, uh, Drew and I may actually be doing a workshop on self-pleasure. Um, and certainly by no means are we experts, but um, I think that it's something that starting, getting people started and building a, a kind of a healthy relationship with the behavior of self-pleasure is, um, is obviously something that we all need to do. Um, your, what would you say are the the key points around? Because you know, I know you've talked about tantra, so and kind of building that. You know, there's a lot of stuff within tantra and self pleasure. So when people hear tantra, I think you know, you and I both agree. People think about, oh, it's people fucking for hours and hours. Um, how would you describe actually tantra and kind of you're know, tying it in with the self pleasure piece? And you know, how would you maybe? Because I think one of the biggest problems with it is that when people hear it, they switch off and they think it's like super spiritual and they think it's like some hippie weird thing to do. Um, from a very human aspect, what is it and how do people kind of get into it and how, do, how does it help them? Tantra is, when it comes to men, I think it's a lot about presence. There's a, there's a huge piece inside Tantra around masculine, the masculine and the feminine, right? And around men amplifying their masculinity, right? And, and women amplifying theirs, but they're not negating the fact that we need to be integrated men, which is integrating our masculine and feminine. But the big piece in Tantra is about presence. So it's like being aware, being conscious of what's happening in any moment of your life. And obviously it's impossible to be consciously aware all the time in everything you do, but inside of sex is something we do so unconsciously. And self-pleasure is probably for men, is one of the most unconscious things we do, right? So from a tantric point of view, it's bringing um, self-awareness to it, right? Bringing that in and it's say, like a little practice I have myself is like some breathing. Before I don't, I don't masturbate as much as I used to. Um, well, I sometimes go through phases where I feel like I'm almost training myself in the, some of the, the tantric exercises I do and I teach around increasing one's performance and stamina and I don't like the word performance and it always slips out my mouth and it annoys me um, because when you feel comfortable and confident in your ability to show up in sex and you're not having to be fearful of, of, of coming too early or whatever it may be, then you can be really conscious because you've removed this fear out of your mind and you can be conscious of what's happening. So when it comes to self-pleasure, I think one of the first things is to start looking at your relationship to porn. And for a lot of us men, we were very addicted to porn. Um, mm -hmm. It's like something bad happens in our life. Like we've had a shit day at work. And our reaction to that is I'm gonna go and, I'm gonna go and have a wank and watch some porn, right? Now, we don't even realize that their reaction, why am I reacting in this way? Like there's no awareness. I just, oh, this happened, I'm gonna go do this. And that's first of all, right? Bring some awareness to that. Um, also looking at your breathing because this is one of the things we do when we have sex and, and when we masturbate is we breathe really short, like <laughs> which we're thinking it's going to force it to happen, to happen quickly. When actually it's like, you're stopping 
you're actually stopping the the fullness of what orgasm you can have, right? Mm -hmm. So if you breathe better, you breathe low into your belly, but you also affects your stamina because you're basically moving more energy around your body. It's not getting stuck, but there's also a point around uh, breathing. It just makes you more aware of your body. So a lot of it really is awareness, bringing awareness to the act that you're doing, being consciously aware of what you're doing, consciously aware of your arousal as well. So for masturbation, it's like, oh, not just doing it as fast as you can for two minutes, but actually going, I'm going to start here. I'm going to work my way up a little bit. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to slow down. And like actually kind of make it a bit more of a dance, a bit more of a play, you know, with yourself to make it into that self-pleasure. You're pleasuring yourself. And men struggle with this because we actually struggle to receive pleasure. I had this deep belief for men is that we struggle to receive pleasure because in some way we think we should always be giving it. We should always be doing and giving. So when we have to receive pleasure, it's harder for us to do that. Hence why I think when it comes to self-pleasure, men are like, what, you want me to do it for half an hour? Like that's, the, and you know, and I say this to guys, I'm like, okay, so you're going to start off with five minutes and you're going to work your way up because you're going to work your app and just be in the sensation, be present in the moment, turn it into a meditation if you want to. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's with the aim of actually feeling more, not just trying to get to the end result. Like we're so goal, goal orientated. It's like, I'm going to go for a wank. I want to come boom, done out. And yeah. actually being in the moment and going, Oh, there's actually all this pleasure and enjoyment to be had just mm. in the doing in the play and in the being. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I definitely learned. Um, before I kind of got involved in anything remotely to do with like, like analyzing my relationship to porn. And then I just, you know, stopped it during my celibacy last year. Um, I was very, very unaware of the, the, the kind of relationship that I'd built with it. Um, and what I realized when I stopped was that I was, I was literally using it as a visual, uh, you know, a visual stimulus to mm. reach and finish and you know have an orgasm as quickly as possible so i actually there were certain times where i actually struggled to have an orgasm without it and as a result i needed it and i built you know when you do something if you're potentially even doing it every day it's really difficult to see how over time over weeks months years you have actually ended up building a really really negative you know quite harmful relationship with with that behavior um but not only was it that the you know i needed the visual from it but you know you don't take in you don't take stock of what it is you're actually visually absorbing um especially in relation to your own body so um you know i i heard a quote i can't remember where it was from but it talks about this notion of how human nature is to kind of revert to the norm as soon as we, we 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 experience novelty with something and we experience something new and exciting, um, we can, you know, that's not going to last forever. We will get bored. That will become the norm. And so all of a sudden, the the level of stimulus that you were receiving from that thing visually is gone. So what do you have to do? You have to make, you ha- it goes up in levels all of a sudden. And, you know, I mean, the internet's a fucking weird place okay there is some there is some obscure shit out there and you know if you sit there and say oh hang on a minute like do what am i actually interested in watching fucking i don't know like 
Japanese hentai 3D girls with fucking like four meter cock shagging an octopus. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and there's this shit at, or, or like or like cartoon porn where like Marge Simpson's fucking, I don't know, her son or whatever it is. Like, and that's, this is the kind of like, like bizarre stuff that's out there on the internet. We ask ourselves why that stuff's being made. And it's because we get so, like we get bored and we get over what we're watching and we have to level up. And let's be honest, that's some, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's that's some perverse stuff that you're you're watching. You know, not to judge anyone, but if you're having to level up and level up and level up, and all of a sudden, how disconnected are you from reality, and how disconnected are you from being able to turn yourself on without it? You know, you, you're getting further and further and further and further away, and therefore you're needing to probably crave it more and more and more. It's becoming a higher level of dependency. So, um. Yeah, that's just yeah, that was just something that came up for me. The second thing was I just what you said about breathing, because you know breathing is such a powerful part of everything that we do, and it allows us to connect to to our bodies in ways that unless we learn how to do it consciously, we have to say we we breathe unconsciously, you know, for ninety nine percent of our lives. Um, but the times in my life where before I got involved in looking at breathing and sex and self pleasure. There were a couple of times where I can honestly say, you know, I experienced, you know, earth shattering orgasms, you know, with a partner. But it's because actually when I look back at it, it was a very, very long, very slow, very like we took our time and there was some heavy, deep, deep breathing. And I'm sure Jamie from from episode four, we talked about breath work, you know, um, you know, he, he'll be able to explain the science behind that to me when I have a chat with him about it. But um you know, that's something that, again, unless you're doing it consciously, and also, if you're, unless you're learning how to do it, because we don't fucking get taught this shit. So, you know, I've had a couple of, you know, throughout the first 29 years of my life, I've had a couple of accidental fucking mind-blowing orgasms. But imagine being able to replicate that. Not only replicate it, but replicate, replicate it regularly. And for your partner to be able to do that with you in the same experience. Yeah, yeah. And it's not as complicated as you might think, you know? Like... And I guess I'm quite blessed as like my partner, we've, we've done tantric workshops together. We've taught tantric workshops together. So when you spend the time to do that and discuss that, it's like the breathing. That's one of the basic things I would say to people, try this out with your partner, breathe deeply um, together. So as you breathe in, she breathes in and you just do that while you're having sex. You literally turn, you add breath work to your sex, right? Yeah. And then add in some eye contact as well, because the, the eyes, when it comes to always, that is the bridge of, of like communication and connection. So if you add those two things in to your sex, right? Breath, eye contact, you will increase the, the I won't say increase how good your sex is, like massively just off the, off from the off, right? That's just yeah. doing that and adding that in for some time. And when you start breathing, it's just, you become so much more conscious of your whole body like we are so used to being like so conscious of this, this thing here, our mm. mind, that when we start to breathe, we start being like, I can feel my little toe. You know, all these things. Like one of the things I've, I've seen with clients is they speak to men and they are actually disconnected from their bodies. They can't mm -hmm. feel certain parts of their bodies. You go, okay, you know, one of the meditations I, I always recommend for men to get more in touch with their sexual energy is to literally meditate on the sensation at the base of your cock. Just sit for, for five minutes and keep your attention on that part of your body. Just on the base, there's a, you're going to feel a tingling sensation that's just there because there's blood moving. So there's something there. And a lot of men, they're like, I can't feel anything. Yeah. And it takes them a long time to work up to, to do that. And it, and it does affect our, 
our ability to enjoy sex if our bodies are not like relaxed like you know if you're you've got a tension around your pelvis for instance which a lot of men do we're very bad with our our pelvic region that's why you know it's control if you speak to yoga teachers they'll tell you the reason why men are not as flexible as women is all about control we hold so much control tightly wound within us that our our hips don't become flexible enough so it's like disconnecting from the porn is really good but then also one of the problems with porn is it starts to have this warped sense of what sex is. Yeah. And you're seeing this in young men. It's like, they have this idea of like, oh, you know, you meet a girl and then you're slapping her and you're slapping her with your cock and all this thing. And it's like, sex isn't like that. Mm. Most sex isn't like that. It really isn't. There's a, there's a very small subset. But the more we're exposed to this type of porn that we, we can find, the more men and women start to see that that's what we should be doing. Especially in young people, it's like, when you watch that when you're young, you're like, oh, that's how the sex should be. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the whole thing on porn is that, again, they're, they're, you know, I think I don't want to also don't want to demonize all porn. But the reality is, is that, again, and I would say 99.9% of the places that we go to for porn, you know, places like Pornhub, places like whatever, you porn, like these stand, they're all incredibly harmful, um, you know, kind of extreme examples of, of sex that are, predominantly i mean they're not just for men because because unfortunately women end up learning this behavior as well um yes. but they are through the male lens and they are they are for men to it sets an example of how men should be showing up in the bedroom um and also like i say and and how women should be showing up in the bedroom and you know i've had experiences in the past where i've been with been with you know a woman and i've been having sex and you know, I literally am so incredibly turned off because I'm sat there in the middle of sex with someone and I feel I'm just like, did you you literally have learned how to have sex from porn, haven't you? And whether it's the noises that they make, the things that they're saying, and it's just, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's entirely, it's, it's inauthentic, it's fabricated, it's fake. And, you know, and again, it's not to judge those women it's sad and it's just a shame that there's they're so again which they're so far from an, like an authentic sexual connected experience um i think it's huge yeah like it's hugely damaging but you can also get some really ethically made um fantastic porn that you know is edited by you know and produced by women you know it's about mutual pleasure so the women it's about ensuring that men and women are equally you know their pleasures are equally taken care of um and whether it's something that's taboo or something like that, again, it's it's done consciously and it's done understanding that narrative and that it's to, you know, it's not to paint a picture of right guys just go out there and, you know, spit in women's mouths and slap them, slap them around the face with their dicks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There's the thing is the lens which porn operates from, it's like an immature masculine. It's like what we would call kind of the patriarchy, right? Yeah. So it's there's a lot of violence, there's shaming of women, shaming of the feminine. If you went through it, it's like, you know, there's a lot of anger, f fear, judgment, there's shaming of the feminine. All these things come up like brutality, violence, bullying, all these things turn up in porn. It's the because really it's porn is a very shadowy thing, right? A lot of our sexual energy gets expressed in a very shadowy manner because it's we have to tuck it away, we have to hide it. And porn has just become this, this ground for people's shadow to be expressed and for them to engage in it. And I like what you said about, you know, being with women and they're making noises and they're thrashing. I remember, I never forget being in my twenties and women like thrashing around, like, because they've watched loads of porn. And it's like, 
we learn from what we see and we also want to please the other person. We want to seem like we're good. And I think when we watch a lot of porn, we take on these, these ideas that like, this is how it's meant to be. And I see one of the biggest problems that's happening a lot for men is around like body image and body size, body shame. Like men feeling like, oh my God, my penis has to be as big as these porn stars. And it's just like, they're porn stars. Like most of these guys are, you know, they're taking a load of drugs to keep them hard all the time. Some of them have had like transplants and stuff like that. They've had cosmetic surgery. They are one in a million men, you know, whatever it may be. And we don't, we watch that and we absorb it and go, this is how I should be. We, this is the signals we take in. This is how I should be. To be a man, I need to be like this. To be a man, I need to be like that. And then that creates shame for us on our own bodies and our own expression sexually, which take years for us to undo because we never actually talk about sex enough with anybody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, like the whole penis size thing. And again, it just like, like you know, when I was saying about how what we're viewing and, and how it impacts us, you know, we're then you know, again, I'm going to speak from, from the lens of a man in a heterosexual relationship or a heterosexual, you know, sexual engagement is, you know, a guy takes his clothes off and there is, it is, I'm sorry, it is impossible, impossible for that man to not have fears in the back of his mind that oh, when yeah. he, when, that when he shows himself and he, you know, gets naked and suddenly he's in front of her, that that woman is going to sit there. And if he hasn't got like a nine inch, 10 inch fucking dick on him, um, that she's going to laugh or she's going to maybe not even laugh, but maybe, maybe just even in the back of her mind, she's going to think that he can't pleasure her or fulfill her or have a, you know, again, a, you know, a satisfactory sexual experience with that man. Now, you know, anyone who knows anything that it's not the size, it's how you use it. And, you know, I think, I think, I, yeah, I think I saw something, I think I saw something on your page that says like men, it's not about the size of your cock. Like that doesn't make you a good lover. Um, And, but like I say, it's, it's gonna, it's, it is impossible for it to not have even a subconscious effect. You might sit there and think that, yeah, no, no, I know I'm watching fantasy shit and I know they're pros and I know they're one in a million men. But again, if you're doing it three, four, five, six, seven times a week and you are absorbing that it's, it's going, it's going into, like the fibers of who you are and how you show up sexually. Yeah, it's programming you. It's, it's just what we don't always are conscious of is like everything you look at, everything you hear, everything you absorb is programming you in some way. Mm-hmm. Consciously or subconsciously, we are being programmed at all times. I know this sounds real like conspiracy, but it is, it's what's happening. We're being programmed. Like, you know, there's research around how this these things affect us. We look at Instagram, it's a part of the programming. So even if you're watching porn, you're going, I know that all men aren't like that. Your subconscious doesn't know that. Your subconscious is going, being shown, this is what men, this is what good sex is. This is what men who have sex looks like. And, and that's damaging for you. And I think we're just, it's just having that awareness of going, oh, I'm going to, let me see what I feel like when I remove this from my life. I like to do this a lot in my life is I remove things. So I might go, okay, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink any alcohol for, for a month or two. Like I barely drink these days, but I'll just remove it completely. Or I'm going to switch my diet up and not have any meat or I'm going to eat vegan for a month because I like to see the effects on my body. So when it comes to porn, I think it's a really good one for, for men to do. And on the, the body shame, one of the things that as men, we have to do more and more, and it goes back to what I said before about compassion is just put yourself in a woman's position. 
when you do get undressed, she's having the same fears, the same worries, the same concerns. And they, and I would almost say they're worse for a woman because of the way our media portrays women and how they have to look and how they should be. It's There's a lot, a lot of pressure. And this um, sexual performance anxiety, I think is the kind of technical term for it, right? The fears and worries that come up. It's like one of the best, the effects and... Uh, one thing I would say to men is like this is this is one of the main causes of um, erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation in men like under 35 is the yeah. psychological side of things right and talking is an amazing way to deal with your psychological issues when it comes to sex just having a conversation like even if it's the woman you're going to be with that night going you know just from a, a place of like wanting to connect and being like oh you know I'm really excited you're here but I'm really nervous as well just mm. show up as a man who can express that and say you know like as a relate that to me right now when I was before we were started recording I was incredibly nervous I'm yeah. always I'm nervous I was like I'm nervous I'm talking to this guy I really respect the work that he does we're going to be in a podcast and it's like it's okay to show that vulnerability and I guess it's coming back to a lot of the things we talk about is that there's a vulnerability in sex there's a vulnerability in 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 dealing with your fears and your worries and anxiety, even around sex, you know, it's just like sharing that, communicating that with your partner, maybe with other men as well. There's a real healing in that, you know, going back to what we were talking about before around us growing up with parents and stuff. It's like there's a real healing in talking to other men about your fears, your worries and your concerns around sex, your body, your own desire. Yeah, definitely. Um, just two things on that, actually. One is that I think it's really important to say as well that, when we talk about you know communicating and speaking our truth and, and being vulnerable you know in sexual situations yeah it doesn't have to be in like a deep conscious spiritual relationship it can you know casual sex is a thing and it's something that we should celebrate and we should be you know that that we should certainly feel no shame over um but imagine being able to if that's the stage in your life that you're at and you're not looking for a commitment and you're looking for just you know something physical being able to experience a deeper connection through communication is something that again why wouldn't you want that so being able to being able to speak that i think is really really important and learning how to do that is really important um but on the stuff around speaking amongst men and you know amongst your friends and you know amongst brothers uh around fears insecurities worries um it's a huge thing it's a huge difficulty and a challenge because again within within you know, your everyday bloke who has these kind of disconnected attitudes towards sex is that they don't, we don't have these conversations as men. We don't talk about our conversations as men. We don't talk about intimacy. We don't have those types of conversations. Like I said it before, we will literally high five each other and talk about what we did to a woman. You know, yes. how we fucked her, how many times we fucked her, um, where we fucked her. We will get we will get the fucking lad points. We will high five the shit out of each other. Um yeah. And we won't actually know how to say I'm experiencing some, you know, erectile problems, you know, and I'm in a, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're having one night stands or whether you are in a, in a deeply committed relationship. Um, and it's because we are shamed. Yeah. We, it, it's, it's hugely, hugely shamed that, that men need to be doing all of these things and it probably comes from porn and it probably comes from all of these old fashioned ideas around how men should be, but you're absolutely right. You know, being able to, uh, being able to have a safe space between a, a group of men 
and talk about our fears and our worries and insecurities. That's what my my uh, my celibacy was. I was involved in a group of about ten men who we were called together, and suddenly we were having conversations that I had. It was it was bizarre and uncomfortable, but liberating and healing and just extraordinary to be able to be involved in conversations with other men like that because it just does not happen and we don't know how to do it so i couldn't couldn't agree with you more mate couldn't agree with you more i think it's really important um i think we're we're, we're probably there on I, I mean we could go on forever with this stuff like i feel like we really could um but you know, I feel like we've tapped into a, like a, I mean, we've done the lot. We've done wanking, we've done tantra, we've done consent, we've done date, you know, sort of pickup artistry, your story. Um, you, you know, I always like to just say that, particularly when I, I have someone in this space on the podcast, you know, that I'm a, a really, really big fan of the work that you do. I think that the work you do is incredibly important. I think you do a great job in making this stuff accessible to people. And yeah, I just, I celebrate you, mate. I think you do a fucking fantastic job and um, yeah, you know, keep, keep doing the work that you're doing. Cause it really is, whether it's men or women, you know, it's a hugely important part of, you know, the lives that we live. So thank you for that, mate. No, thank you. Thank you for, you know, and I feel the same when I saw you pop up a number of months ago and I was like, this is like real straight man talking that needs to occur in the world. And I feel like, you know, sometimes you you see people and you're like, this person is following the flow, their passion, what they love doing, and they're just putting energy out into the world. And I love to 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 see the content you put put out. And I read really all of it and watch most of your stories. So, <laughs> and I'm just happy to be here. Like I've I've listened to plenty of your podcast episodes and really enjoyed them. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, again, feel free to tell everyone where they can find you. Um, I, I would really encourage everyone to come and find you and follow you on social media. So where where can they where can they come and uh, come and get in touch? Yeah, Instagram, nearly everything happens on Instagram these days. Um, it's at Authentic Dating Series. And if you're interested in the podcast, there's like 78 episodes of varying things around dating, masculinity, sex, and consciousness as well. That's a big part of the podcast is consciousness and vulnerability as well. Um, so yeah, there's a whole podcast there. And um, yeah, feel free to get in contact and send me a message on Instagram. I love to talk to people. Um, I'm not one of these people who's just like throwing out content over the wall. I write most of it daily, basically, based on what people ask me and, and tell me about what they're dealing with. Yeah, nice. Just before we go, because I know you said everyone go and see you on uh, Instagram. I've just signed up to Clubhouse and I haven't got a fucking clue what it is. <laughs> it looks it looks exciting. It looks pretty cool, but I have not got a clue about what the hell goes on on Clubhouse. But I, I think, are you on there? Have you been? Yeah, yeah. So I've there? been running. Yeah, I've been jumping in some groups, but also been running a group um how do you call them? Rooms, rooms, you call them rooms. I room, run a room every Sunday night uh, with uh, Ahmad, my, ex, uh, my good friend, and Kapil, who's another good friend of mine who does a lot of work in, in the men's work area. And we basically talk about various aspects of masculinity. Like last week, we did kind of sexual confidence. Um, I'm not sure if we decide what topic we're going to do this week, but we're going to be doing that every single, every single Sunday at five o'clock. Group of men and women, obviously women are also very welcome. Um, on there and then find us my name on clubhouse is i think it's just david chambers actually on clubhouse but um yeah we're going to be running a room around yeah masculinity and the aspects of that and it's just because there's so much to masculinity we're, we're just going to decide every week what it's going to be but you're really invited to come along and listen and talk clubhouse is is fun there's a lot of conversations happening about a lot of different things on, on the app 
Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got to figure it out. I really don't know what on earth is going on, <laughs> but um, yeah, excited to, to join the conversation. Um, David, thank you again for joining me, mate. Pleasure to have you on and um, I look forward to speaking with you soon. Cool, man. Thank you. Hello. So just wanted to say a very big thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it valuable. Of course, if you do think it's a valuable conversation, um, would be wonderful if you could take the time, just take a moment to share it on whether it's your Facebook wall or your Instagram story. Uh, would really appreciate you getting the conversation out there. Thank you again.